You're listening to the Global Sport Matters podcast. From academia to media, Kenneth Shropshire and Bill Roden explore the edges of sport, unpacking race and culture beyond the game. Over the next series of episodes, Ken and Bill examine progress versus change, a central theme outlined in Ken's book, In Black and White, Race and Sport in America. Along their journey, they will reflect on the historical moments in the context of sports today, hoping to discover new pathways towards an equitable future. This is the Global Sport Matters podcast. The iteration is called Old Heads, that's old apostrophe, I think, New Thoughts. I'm Ken Shropshire. I'm here with my colleague, Bill Roden. Bill, how are you today? Oh, good, old head. <laughs> I'm feeling like spring, even though it's it's uh, snowing here in the Northeast. Um, uh, uh, oh, good. How are you doing? Good. I'm in, I'm in the same same way. We got we got rain here in Philly, so just a uh, good good time to have a fireside chat podcast kind of conversation. So, yeah, so we got two two big topics we want to talk about. One is. Uh, Father Time being undefeated in the Tom Brady situation, what's going to happen there, what's kind of the old head thoughts on going on too long. That's number one. And then number two, we want to talk about Ed Reed and the Bethune-Cookman situation, uh, that situation specifically, and broader implications. Um, and, I, I, you know, on a future show, Bill, I do want to talk – I did go to Canada – to Toronto, where I know you've been a million times. But I was actually there and talking to black people in Canada who told me they were there for five generations and a family fought for the crown and how different they felt from African-Americans. And then the conference I was at, you know, we're talking about, and we will talk about the coaching carousel when the, the horses go around one more time. Right now we have everything really, really new going on. But, you know, we're talking in the U.S. about this whole idea of ownership and head coaching positions and all that. The conference I was at was largely about access to play hockey. I mean, that was, that's kind what? of the access to actually play hockey, to, uh, to play the game. Wow. That, that, wow. that, you know, think about that, that, you know, where on a relative basis is that to the U.S. with sport? And kind of the issues that were on the table. So I don't, you know, so I don't want to get into it now. But also, you know, this is um, for those who have not tuned out yet on my uh, <laughs> on my opening monologue here. But it ties in. I, the whole time I was up there, I'm reading. What what's, book am I reading now, Bill? Uncle Tom Cabin. Uncle Tom Cabin. So I'm on <laughs> <laughs> month month six of trying to get through Uncle Tom's Cabin. And constantly in that book, think about it. The whole theme is getting to Canada. That that was well, the yes, Underground Railroad. Yeah, this kind of glorious free location. And you know, my forty-eight hour interaction. I've been in Canada before, but I hadn't been there with kind of these same circumstances. How it's it's you know maybe it was all that because you know no slavery or the laws or whatever it was, but. You know, I, it, it didn't seem to be the case of, of this glorious space, which is kind of how I thought about Canada. Like, well, you know, Vietnam going on. What do we always say? Well, maybe I'll go to Canada. Or, you know, things get too bad here. Maybe I'll go to Canada. Okay. I go to Canada, right? Right. I, you know, so so to, to be 
to be examined further at another time. Again, when we, maybe we get somebody who can really talk about hockey in depth. But 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 you know, just just I mean, for one more minute though. I, mean, I know you've been up there a number of times to do the stuff that you do. I mean, have you had any? Well, the interesting thing you, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I've been, you know, Toronto. I care. I remember yeah. um, a year a year ago. Uh, well, the year that Toronto, that the uh, uh, Raptors were would win the NBA championship. Right. Um, right. I spent a lot. Yeah, I spent a lot of time up there because um, it was a good story, and you know, the uh, president of the team, the side is Jerry, is a brother, and uh, I spent time up there. But you know, one thing I thought about is. There was a piece there that was talk, talking about racism in Canada. And, and to your point, that's something that you never even think about. You know, it's kind of like Minnesota nice, you know, before we knew how, how you know, how dreadful that was. Right. Um, so I, I don't think there's any free space on Earth. I mean, that's kind of where I am now. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any, because remember... You know, we had I, I've had friends who moved during the uh, when when your boy was elected president, right. uh, POTUS forty five. I had a couple friends move to Paris. You know, and my thing is that on Earth there's no free particularly if you're black, and maybe if you're human, there's no free space on Earth. You know, there there if you go to Africa, there are all these totalitarian, uh, um, uh, dictatorial. Governments don't believe in women's rights and all this stuff. So, to, so, so you're right. Canada, in in general, we talk about in these growing places because underground railroad and and right. We're gonna everything. Every answer to all of our human problems is go to Canada. Go to Canada. Right? <laughs> go to Canada. <laughs> you know, uh, not Mexico. Not go. We don't go south of the border. We go to you know. And um, but well, I, I remember this piece, and and I, I I think that's a great idea for a show. Um, because there are issues, uh, and I, I like to hear a little more about access to hockey. Because I mean, even here, if you're African American, I don't know what it was like for you growing up in LA. How much <laughs> access you had to hockey, you know? But but you didn't have, you would not have access to football. You know, you would not have not had access to basketball. That be, that know? would be the equivalent, right? That would be the equivalent, right? It's gone, yeah. and, and I'll tell you, and then and then we'll move on. But this will be another teaser. Maybe we maybe we can stretch a, a hockey hockey show <laughs> at, at some point. You know, so I grew up in L.A. where there was no professional hockey. You know, Chicago, you had the Blackhawks, and right. guys in New York had the the Rangers, and I guess eventually the Islanders, or however it evolved. Um, you know, there were there were no Kings in L.A. when I was growing up, right? But there were this minor league team that the L.A. Blades, you know, like a hockey blade, uh, ice skating blade or whatever. And, you know, my father and some other guys took a bunch of us to go see the Blades play. This is like 62, 60, early 60s. And, you know, why are we going to a hockey match inside a, a just-built L.A. sports arena, I think? And Willie O'Ree was playing there. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I was, you know, and, and, and wow. it wasn't until later in life, I realized, oh, they were taking us there to see this, this brother playing hockey. So I, so I did have one great kind of hockey moment as, as a kid. And then, and then to, you know, meet him later in life, uh, it was, it was really, 
you know, and, and to understand hockey more and what, what that guy must have gone through. But the, oh my God. the event I went yeah. through is the Carnegie Initiative is what it was focused on. And, and it was uh, really very interesting about, about that sport and access and that sort of thing. So, so we'll were get they, at some Yeah, point. I know we keep on belaboring this point. Uh, but uh, were they saying, were these black folks saying that they were having an issue with access to hockey in Canada? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. The, 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 the idea, and think about it. It's, it's, it's grassroots stuff. It's, it's uh, access to, you know, think of who controls the AAU equivalent for hockey. And it's, it's not us. And so, as you know, I mean, youth determinations about who should play and who shouldn't, the people that are making those decisions about who's ready to go, who should have access. And even if you take you know, money out of the equation of, you know, paying for equipment, this kind of stuff, you, you have it all set up. There was still a lot of barriers in terms of who can play. And, um, you know, just the timing of everything, too, was fascinating relative to the Jackie Robinson moment, how, how much later uh, the hockey moment took place and, and how overtly, you know, there were, there were guys in the I think 40s and 50s saying, uh, I, would, I would want this Carnegie guy to play for me and I'll pay anybody $10,000 that can make him white. I mean, they would say stuff overtly like that. So it's so a very different kind of situation. And, you know, I don't know what the, you know, geographer that you are, demographer you are, you may know I, the percentage of, of black people in Canada. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm confident it's much less than, you know, our powerful 11, 12% wherever we are in, in this country. So, so that, you know, that's, that's gotta be another factor as well. Just just the limited number of folks that are there. And, and I keep, you know, I know we were turning this into a segment, but <laughs> I heard something disturbing um, here. Uh, was One of the three of the Roden Fellows, you know, they do a, uh, a, a every other week podcast. Right. And one of the things they talked about was how even basketball in this country was a lot of young kids were being priced out of basketball, of right. AAU basketball. And again, I think that's if, if you and me were just sitting down and you had a bunch of black folks talking, we, we think that our our stranglehold on basketball is so tight that the fact that we would no we would not be a dominant force in a, in 20 years is unthinkable. But um, I, again, I think all these things and I, I, I think I, I will voluntarily step away because this is another segment. <laughs> I, think that, I think that the whole hockey thing, access to hockey uh, and kids being priced out and the racism surrounding that is significant. And I also think the idea of, of young black kids without economic means being priced out in basketball, right, I right. think, is, is significant. So, But I'll turn it over to you, uh, Ken, to get this to the next level. <laughs> and, and, and then we're going to talk about Tom Brady and we're going to talk about the yeah. whole idea of, of when to retire, who's retired the right way and all that sort of thing. But last, last thing I will say, though, the, the reason why I know I have ignored hockey so much over the years of you know, calling myself this scholar focused on this. So the intersection of these issues is, you know, race and population and, and that sort of thing. And who's playing the game? What? Mm-hmm. You know, 98 percent of the players in hockey are, are white. I didn't grow up anywhere where you could have played anyway, so I don't know what kind of discrimination is going on there anyway. So I'm not really that that concerned about it. But you know, the, 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 if you bring Canada into play, 
uh, then you certainly have an issue. And then it's also, you know, uh, on the ownership issue, the last thing I'm saying, then we'll move on to Tom Brady. There is a, an ownership, a black ownership group looking at trying to buy the Ottawa Senators, which would be, you know, a, a phenomenal step forward in terms of, you know, you can't even play the game, but you, you may end up owning a franchise. So, so, so that's what's there. But, you yeah. know, when we started talking about uh, Tom Brady a little bit last week, we were kind of on the heels of, of his last, last game uh, in the season with, with Tampa Bay that they lost. You know, nobody wants to go out in, in that kind of way. And, you know, the question that this now kind of in the background because all this other, other stuff is going on is, um, is, is this whole idea of is it time for him to retire? And we just want to talk about it briefly. There's two guys who can't seem to really fully retire. <laughs> they have, have left, you know, major institutions, not quite the NFL, but New York Times, Wharton School. Then, you know, you go back to kind of ESPN-ish thing, the Wharton School. So we, we keep coming back to this. But but your sports is, is a little bit different. And I don't know what your thoughts are on um, what what the right answer is for well, Brady. And, well, you know, and any others that that that, that you know, we've seen this story with historically? Yeah. I think Brady has lifted the bar. I mean, I think when we were younger, you know, and you played football, the idea of 30s was somehow the magic number. But when you got in your 30s, you were winding down. Right. You know, whether it, it, I, I think with Brady playing at 45 and take your I think a lot of guys who are playing now, um, if they're in their 20s, you know, mid to late 20s, unless they're running backs, of course, you know, uh, they may say, well, Ma, you know, if I take care of myself, maybe I could play this game into my 40s. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't that be spectacular to have a guy 40 years old, again, depending on the position and all that kind of stuff playing. So I think that, you know, uh, you know, Brady is raised by now. Again, the other thing is a lot of guys, if you make a lot of money, you may say, I've, I've made so much money, I don't have to play anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I can get on with. And you, and you would think Brady's in that category. I you would think so, but then I, I, I have got a, got, a, got a divorce underway, but that's, you know. <laughs> well, he may need all the money. He, 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 he may be needing the money to pay for his divorce. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, although they say that his soon-to-be ex-wife, his ex-wife makes more money than he does. Yeah, how about that? I, I don't know. Maybe, he'll get, anything, maybe he'll get paid. <laughs> maybe he's the one who gets paid. Yeah. Uh, although, her, apparently, her boyfriend is some, like, jujitsu, you know, like, it sounds like he's a beach bum or something, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, but let's just talk about the emotion of it. Right. Uh, who else retired? Uh, well, well, we had, you know, Serena. Uh Serena finally walked away, and then there was some rumor that, you know, she was thinking of coming back. Uh, but I just think, and you, you mentioned us in jest, but it's kind of serious, in that, um, you know, you've been doing something your entire life. And not only is that the source of your income, but it's the source of your sense of self, uh, your sense of satisfying you know, doing something for the world and all that. And then there comes to be a time when whatever, you can't do it anymore. Um, and I guess if you're a writer, 
you could always write. I mean, you, you may need an audience. If you're, if you, you know, if you're a lawyer, you know, you can always practice law until you can't anymore. Uh, maybe if you're a doctor, uh, there are probably circumstances where you can't always, it, you know, a lot of this stuff has to do with your physical, right, your right. physical ability to do stuff. But right. in sports, I mean, in sports, the difference is that your body eventually will dictate you can't do this anymore. And you will, if you keep doing it, you will get destroyed. Well, let, <laughs> you know? let me throw a bunch, bunch of names at you. You, you mentioned Serena. You know, Roger Federer is another one we just saw recently. Uh, if we go back in time, I want you to think about these people in their retirement. Johnny Unitas. Yeah. Joe Namath. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with Johnny Unitas. <laughs> well, let okay. me give you some more names, and then we'll start okay. with Johnny. Uh, okay. Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. Jim Brown. Barry Sanders. Uh, you have one more. Well, Ali. I mean, Ali is kind of the Ali. Uh, well, but now and, and Sugar and Sugar Ray Robinson too. If we want to go further, yeah. but now in your list, I guess maybe give me a list of who are the athletes who left on their own terms, and and who are the athletes who were chased out and went out kind of disgracefully. Well, and I, mean, that, I, I don't want to use disgracefully, but you know, who well, basically on, on, on their own terms. I mean, I think you and I have agreed that the the coolest retirement. It wasn't necessarily on his terms, but he. He maneuvered it to be honest. There was Jim Brown. Oh, that was the best. <laughs> retiring on the set of the Dirty Dozen in the fatigues of, of, the, of the, the, uh, the the movie actor that he was in the moment yeah. uh, when uh, the Modell family was telling him he had to be back. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> I he, the coolest retirement of all time. Uh, that was the best. <laughs> uh, you know the one. So on his own terms, converted Barry Sanders. Barry I mean, Sanders. Yeah. You know, I, th I think. Uh, you know, both Serena and Federer were maybe they can do one more, maybe not. But but it would be kind of a graceful time for for both of them. A little, a little bit ahead of where the switch would say you're off, but they they got out. Well, Serena, I'd say even Serena, the posse had definitely you know, like in the Western movie, the posse had him cornered. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the posse was there. You know, I think the posse had pretty much caught up. With Serena, uh, Federer, I think uh, he he left while the going was while while the going was good, you know, yeah. before anybody could start clobbering him, you know. <laughs> you know, I was in that category even even earlier though. It was kind of kind of more of a Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Bjorn Borg. I mean, Borg got out yes. early, uh, yeah, and, as yeah. well. He was just kind of impressive, and then. And, there's a woman that did it recently too. I guess the the Australian woman. That, that kind oh of, well, the, the, there's a t you mean the young tennis player who just yeah, quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget her name. Uh, we, you know, we have to have our tennis person on the show. But <laughs> there was a young tennis player who just made, who's at the top of the game yeah. and just said, "I'm done." Yeah, Ash Barty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm done. Ash Barty. And right. yeah, which which and I guess we always admire that. Um, I can't think of anybody in the NBA, because uh, even look at Jordan. I mean, when when we last saw Jordan, I mean, he was overweight and he was just <laughs> playing at the Washington Wizards. Right, right. You know. Yeah, uh, we don't and, have the, the positive ending is is if, if the positive ending is important. We have a lot of examples of people that didn't do. It. I mean, Joe Namath. You know, I saw a lot of people come through LA for their last round in football. Joe Namath, like, wow, why? You know, he, he couldn't move in the first place, and, and then it was right. Really tragic to to watch him, and he did not go out 
on top. I mean, Ali would be – It's terrible. Was his last we, one Trevor, Trevor it, Burton? It was Holmes. I think oh. it was, it was, it, it was uh, Larry Holmes. Yeah. And it was, like, painful. It was painful for Holmes, and it was clearly painful for Ali, <laughs> you know. Uh, George Foreman. I mean, and, and I, I, what I remember, um, uh, Ken, is Joe Lewis. I just uh, remember yeah. the, the, the fight with, uh, I guess, Rocky Marciano. Right. And it was so bad that I think Marciano went to, he was almost crying, you know, when he went to uh, the Brown Bombers locker room because it had to be painful. Here's this guy that meant so much. And, but, but basically it's sort of like that, you know, although he was fighting for taxes, you know, he was fighting cause he had to essentially. Right. Uh, but yeah. you know, uh, and I'm just wondering with Brady, I was just wondering if it was the end was going to come when he took that hit, you know, when he suffered an injury that just would not let him like now he could kind of come back, you know, he kind of walks to another team, but there are injuries you suffer where you cannot come back, you know, Um, you know, so, but if he, you know, listen, as long as he can do it and people are, you know, are are willing, there's like a Tom Brady lottery, you know, Uh, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to Las Vegas? You know, we, we know we, we know he's not going to San Francisco. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, they got a, a young, un, underpaid. Yeah. Underpaid. Uh, this, this is and, perfect. And, and it seems to be for real. So <laughs> so they're going to take it yeah. back. You know, that, that's, a, that's another show, too, is, is how and, and often they not pay him. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, that's, that's our segment of exploitation uh, in right. the NFL. But, you know, I, I mean, just to, because uh, to, I know we got to talk about Ed Reed. Right, speaking right. about X, but what I, I just heard that Joe Burrow is getting ready to negotiate for an extension, and I've been on this kick with Lamar Jackson and guarantee contract. What do you think the Bengals do when Joe Burrow says, "I want the Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousin deal. I want my contract. I want to sign this extension, but I want to fully guarantee." Do you at what point do you think they'll treat him like a you know a Negro and say, <laughs> you know what? Very good. I'm glad you caught yourself. <laughs> essentially a replaceable part. Right. It, it's, I would, no, it's no, gonna no be interesting. You know, so so the Bengals are not known uh for paying. Right. So 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 there is a chance that they will not cooperate. It's gonna be interesting to see. And, and also too, I and mean, we need to focus on this a little bit more in the future, you know, he's been injured too. So it's not, yes. he's been out on the field the whole time either. Um, he's gotten to the Super Bowl and may get there again. So, so certainly he's ahead of Lamar in that sense, but in terms of, you know, uh, durability and all that sort of stuff, the, the jury is out in some ways about what, how long the, the career for each one of them will be. Um, but but this this is something for us to keep keep an eye on though. I mean, if, if Brady's doing the right thing, and to think about this whole retirement space, especially in sports, and and you know what would have been the most glamorous thing if he went out after the, after the Super Bowl win. I mean that that's it's so hard to do that. It's so hard to do that. And then, and you know Barry Sanders, the idea of well the Super Bowl win is never going to come. Let me just get out while right. I still have you know as uh, Marshawn Lynch would say my my chickens and my mentals. Let me get out of here. <laughs> Uh, while everything's still still in place, so so it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, Brady, uh, 
you know, you can never say what an, uh, another man would do, but you know, the, the, the element that all these, these guys always have in mind, we hear it so often, you know, father time is undefeated. Now, how do, how do you make sure you don't let that, that defeat be on public display on the field of yeah. play? Well, I mean, again, before we segue out, you know, I don't know if I really hit this hard enough. I mean, there is this emotional element. And I think with Tom Brady and those kind of guys where you're on top of the world and everything, you know, for what, 27 years, everything revolves around you. And, and now that you're the quarterback and all the stuff revolves around you. And the idea of, you know, just having to go to ShopRite and, and buy groceries or stand in line or, or, you know, empty the garbage or, or just, you know, do like everybody else has done. You're just, cause you know, in this sport, as soon as you retire, you're irrelevant. I mean, this is sports is this thing of the here and now. And I always, I, in fact, before the San Francisco game, you know, they showed all the 49ers, Jerry Rice, look at yeah, him, a little ridiculous. All those guys. Yeah. A little yeah. ridiculous, you know, yeah. wearing the, gold chain with the 49ers thing and you know and, and all the other guys and you know I mean he looked pretty good but sometimes you see guys you know and they'll be like damn baby what happened uh, you know? boy, he, he needed to get a different what do you call it a haberdasher though but other than that, <laughs> yeah yeah the chain and the yeah, he's thing doing, but he's doing okay I, I'll tell you the, the one and, and, and he's he's a friend I, you know I don't mean to be hateful and, and he it wasn't necessarily in his direction the camera was on John Lynch quite a bit too, and then John came down on the field, and that's so. Here's the former player who's now a not not with that team, who's now a, a he's the owner. He's a he's a he's a plantation boss. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm wondering, you know, is is part of that too? The here's a chance to have that limelight that I used to have when I was John Lynch the player. So I, so I don't know. It, it is this, this whole difficult difficult space to uh, to be in, you know. As, and they all, as, and they all go to the broadcast booth. Yeah, and all go to the broadcast booth. But, you know, the retired uh, Bill Roden still got a byline going with Anscape. And oh, that means I'm not retired, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> we don't use that word. Only because mandatory retirement ages have been uh, outlawed in most settings. So, so here, we, here we continue on. <laughs> but you, you wrote a, a, a great piece, uh, and there's so many more elements, even since you've written it, on Ed Reed and his, uh, the ending, let's just call it that, of his uh, coaching of Bethune-Cookman. So, so, you know, the story comes, here's Ed Reed, Hall of Famer, safety, great guy I would want on my team for sure, um, who has signed up a la Deion Sanders uh, at Jackson State to be the head coach of another HBCU, Bethune-Cookman. And then we get this announcement. I think, did Ed do the announcement first? Well, now, Ed, yeah, Ed went, Ed's final video was uh, a Saturday, I think. He must have got the word from the university that enough is enough. And then he talked to the recruits and their parents, and which he said, you know, uh, I'm not withdrawing my name. They don't want me. That's so. And then the university made it public that, you know, you're right. <laughs> we don't want you. I'm not quitting. You fired me. So. Right. Yeah, that's essentially that. And you're right. We did. You know, uh, but what, I'm just curious, man, as uh, I guess we both have our takes. Um, what was your thinking 
uh, of this from the very beginning, A, when they hired him, you know, back in December, they announced they were hired. Did you think one way or the other? Did you think this was a Deion Sanders copycat move? Yeah. I, you know, I had thought, it, I, I just thought it was part of the trend of, of these guys, you know, Hugh Jackson and, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the couple, a couple others have Eddie uh, George, Eddie George, Eddie George. That's how it's going to be part of the trend. And he's this high profile It's perfect for NIL. It's perfect for recruitment, all that sort of thing. You know, I, I do think of Ed more than any of those other guys as, as a Miami guy, as, as a guy from the U. So it was a little, little bit off, but it's in Florida. So, so maybe it, it made some sense. So no, I, I didn't see anything. Hey, right. Why are but you did in, in your piece, you you talked about it. And you thought right away something was was off. Why don't you why don't you explain that? A little well, yeah, bit? I mean, yeah, normally, you know, they announce it, and yes, because I, I think we all going through this Deion Sanders hangover. Yeah, and I thought that, that was in the debate itself. What, is that a sustainable model? And then they hired him. I said, okay, that's okay, good. I'd like to talk to him to see what's on his mind. And my first sense of trouble was when the SID finally got back and said, well, you know, the negotiation is still ongoing. And I'm like, oh, so this was a chicken, the cart, you know, the cart before the horse. Right. That you just kind of jumped out there to, you know, to kind of do the bells and whistles before you had nailed it down. And um, then another went week by, a week went by, Reached out again. No, nope, still ongoing. And then that's when the videos start coming out with Ed Reed. <laughs> you know, he was in a golf cart or a car, and all that. And 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 you know, you, what's the rule in corporate? You don't embarrass. You don't embarrass the captain or something like that. You don't embarrass. Right, captain. Right. And and particularly in a black college, when you go embarrass the president, you know. And I said, this guy's done. <laughs> you know, and then Reggie Theus, you know, again, they made a, a celebrity hire at athletic director when when Reggie Theus had no acted, no experience at all in that space. Not only becomes the, the basketball coach, but he's become the athletic director. Right. And, and so it was just a, a mess. And the funny thing I'm thinking. So finally, you look at all this, you look at Ed Reed's videos. And all that. And there was a part of me that thought that Ed wanted somebody to throw him a parade because he was talking about, ah, oh, we're cleaning up the so-and-so. And now, and then he's trying to the kid, and I gave the woman $2,500 out of my pocket because I still was going to host the recruits, even though I knew they didn't want me. You know, you know when you're sitting in the room hearing somebody and it's kind of like, okay, what do you want me? You want me to, you want me to throw you a parade? Right. You right. know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, no, I really did get get uh, uh, way off kilter. I guess the way I so, say, you know, you you said something reminded me just, just you know broadly sports oriented. I, I heard way twenty years ago, Dusty, <laughs> Dusty Baker who was managing uh, the Giants. He might have been in Chicago by this time. Somebody asked him his leadership rules or what he tells the team because he says I only got three rules: is be on time. Uh, stretch and then he backtracked and said well Barry didn't stretch so Barry didn't have to stretch which is a stretch <laughs> and third is don't embarrass me in the press he said those are the only rules I got and, and it's got you know it, 
it doesn't have to be so complicated, but, but Ed Reed, that, that third rule, that violation of you're going to work for somebody, the last yeah. thing you can do publicly, especially if you're just getting on board, or, or, or as we know now, you're not really on board yet, right. is to I- embarrass your employee. And to, you know, I'm, I'm as liberal as the next guy, but the, but the whole idea of the language he was using in the uh, in in the, in the videos and you know, cursing and sort of doing all this stuff and and really hate, hateful t- towards the school and HBCUs broadly about what was there as opposed to there was a positive way to deliver the same message that he wanted to deliver and he didn't didn't choose to do so. But this, you know this could be speaking of Uncle Tom's. It could be getting us in that territory by direction we're headed. <laughs> you ain't letting that go, brother. <laughs> maybe this is, this is just old old head mentality. Uh, that, that whippersnapper. What, what, who do you think he was? I'd be happy to have a job for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, but you know, Deion Sanders did the same thing. But Deion, it's a difference between Mike Tyson and Ali. You know. Ali could talk about your mother and have you laughing. Right. Where Mike Tyson could give you a compliment and you want to kill him, you know? And it's just, you know, and you know you know people like that. Right. Some people could just say, and so Dion was criticized, you know, he was he would criticize Jackson State and the whole thing, but he did it in a way, and, and the time he was different when it was entertainment. You know, it was entertainment. It was this was Neon Dion. This was Coach Prime. Ed is not that kind of guy. <laughs> he's not. He's Joe Frazier. You know, Ed is, is a locker room talking to the men kind of guy. Where yeah. ne- Neon Dion is entertainer talking to the public, and and oh, it, it's it's Dion. And it says you said exactly right. It's the same break that that Ali Ali would get. Is by, by the way, <laughs> the last forever. It's the break that Bill Cosby would get. You know, yeah. you know these things change. They evolve over time. Uh, but but yeah, Ed, Ed Reed was got way outside of his his lane. So we'll be interested to see, and and, and you know, and we should. This is another one we should come back to is this whole idea of who are the coaches or who should they be at HBCU and who has the biggest impact. And and we got to keep tracking the impact that that Dion had. I mean, you know, even a little distance away, obviously it's positive because we're having this conversation. A lot of people are having this conversation about leadership at a school that. Nobody would talk about related to sports, you know, for the past uh, two decades at least. So, so it it is kind of a new day. Thank you, Dion. But, but I guess the other question is, all this you you could argue that a lot of this started with George Floyd and the public nature of mm-hmm. George Floyd's execution, you know. Uh, and now a couple of years away, you know, because remember, right in the wake of that, everything black was good. You know, HBCUs benefited, and this, right. you know. Kamala Harris went to Howard. There's all this, and we can't get enough money. Black colleges, black colleges meaning Spelman and Morehouse and Howard. That, that, that that's it. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's are there, are there others? You'd be at a cocktail party. I say, I say, where do you go to? Where do you go to school? See, of course, you would be a Stanford guy. You know, you could probably Stanford. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> but when you go to HBCU, if you don't go to Morehouse, Spelman, or Howard, where do you go, Morgan? Oh, they give you the blank stare. stare. <laughs> is, that, is that a small Midwest? Where is that again? Is liberal, that in Delaware? Arts College? <laughs> is that, oh, how nice. You know, whereas you're black. If you're a black person, you went to like the recognizable colleges. You're like, A, the Ivies, you're good to go at the cocktail party. Princeton, 
Oh, then they're thinking, how'd you get in? You know, but, but but they can't argue. I remember being on a panel once with um man, what's the sister, man? Um uh oh man, she was on CNN and she, she I forget her name, but she was doing a panel and uh she was pissed because she she went to Harvard, but she was pissed because and I remember she asked this guy, why doesn't my Harvard degree mean as much as your Harvard degree? Right. You know. And I'm thinking, well, even within that niche, there are these, <laughs> there are layers of like, you know, when you're on the Titanic, some people are on the luxury thing, <laughs> some people like on the very bottom. But um, I'm, I'm sorry, man, I, I didn't mean to, to that. We, <laughs> I know where you're trying to go. That's, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm used, to, used to people trying to uh, uh, interrogate about how, how did this kid from the Crenshaw District of L.A. get? <laughs> Yeah, in Stanford. It's football scholarship, ladies and gentlemen. Did you say football? Oh, that's it. Oh, <laughs> that that's got to be. <laughs> but, but that, you know, that, and that's something we got to look at, too. There's, there's more and more data coming out about with all these changes coming coming about and, and this, with the Supreme Court moving on this action against affirmative action yeah. is what black men are going to be left on these predominantly white institution campuses. And will it be a lot like it was back in the day when I was there that you were right nine times out of ten. You know, you could you could, you could, you could complain about it, but nine times out of ten, when somebody asked you what sport you played, if you're a black person on campus, they were asking the right question. <laughs> you might be pissed off. <laughs> Football. <laughs> it's, the right, it's the right question. So, so as we close out, I I, I want to raise one one more thing with you, um, and we can talk about this some more if it gets closer. We need to start having our Super Bowl build up. You know, as we as we get closer. And, you know, this is really an old head kind of topic, but, you know, it really has been the case historically that you could predict who the black barbershop is rooting for in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. uh, or who they're rooting for in the big game or who they're rooting for in Lewis versus Schmeling. Right. I mean, it just, you, you, if there is a black presence on one side more so than another, and you're in a, even if you're not in a neutral city. Right. You know, but like the question is who, who are the brothers in barbershops in Chicago going to be pulling for for the Super Bowl? That's, that's, that's a great that's question. The question. That is a great question. And, and are we still where we used to be with that? I mean, it, you know, it, as you know, because we got the four, we got the Eagles, the Niners, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. This is who we have have right now. We so we don't have a black head coach. No black head coaches. Which, which the only time we were flustered was when Dungey and Lovey were playing against each other. We didn't know what right. that was. That was a tough one. That, that was a tough one. That was a difficult Super Bowl. Yeah, but this one, that's a great question, Ken. Uh, it, I also remember back in the day when me and my dad watched games, we just chose which team has the most black players. Yeah. And that was, that made it very simple. You yeah, know? Were, you, were you, I mean, this is a little, I didn't talk about the connection, but were you writing those ebony pieces about uh, in baseball when it was like how many, how many blacks are coming to spring training? Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to, that was my, when I went to ebony, man, that was my first biggest sign. We did the baseball roundups. Baseball we had, roundups. We did baseball roundups, football roundups. And basketball roundups, and the, the the premise of those pieces was that start doing them when they were like, like vir- virtually no black presence, 
There are right. very few black football players. And in fact, by the time I left Ebony in 1978, I think, or 79, we stopped doing it because there were so <laughs> many black there were so many black players in the NFL the NBA. It was like Mr. Johnson was like, why are we doing this? Ain't that the whole team was black. But but this is I mean it's an important thing to pause on. I mean we we really <laughs> did know as kids every black player in every league. I mean, and if you didn't know, all you had to do was go grab Ebony right. and you would know, especially in your hometown, you knew for sure. Yeah, I mean you know, John Roseboro, Junior Gilliam. I mean, I, I knew, you know, it, it wasn't Willie Davis, Tommy Davis. It just wasn't that many people on the team. So, but now it's it's much more. And this is kind of what my question is leading to. Does, is, is the fact that Jalen Hurts is a quarterback of the Eagles, is that enough for that to be black Americans rooting for them? Or, or does, does, you know, Patrick Mahomes somehow... You know, <laughs> there's there's well, an issue. That my gets to, to another issue, right? <laughs> right, my race. But the Niners have a def, uh, uh, defensive coordinator who's African American. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, we could say there were injustices done there to to black head coaches and otherwise. You know, you could you know, and, and historically Cincinnati is, although they had long term kind of black head coach presence, that's been a team that's always had kind of an interesting. Uh, relationship with, with with black people, so I don't, I, you know, is it, I, I think Bill, I think we should get out while they're getting good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has been old heads, and we closed out with some old 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 thoughts, uh, and we'll revisit what the barbershop will decide. But we'll see what happens with with Tom Brady. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Bethune Cookman saga, and one day we'll talk about hockey at length one day thank you bill all right see you soon all right global sport matters podcast is a production of the global sport institute at arizona state university our senior coordinator of digital content is brendan clean our manager of strategic initiatives is me kendall jones and our marketing and event assistants are luke padway and aiden corrales find and follow us on twitter we're at global sport mtrs